You're listening to The Multiplier Effect, an Endeavor podcast. HALO is an acronym for Hydrogen, Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma. It's a three-state partnership that is pursuing the uh, DOE's uh, Hydrogen Hub funding. My name is Jessica Head. For those of you who may be new to our name, Endeavor is the leading global community of, by, and for high-impact entrepreneurs, those who dream bigger, scale faster, and pay it forward. We are driven by our belief that high-impact entrepreneurs transform economies, and we're on a mission to build thriving entrepreneurial ecosystems in the 40-plus emerging and underserved markets that we serve around the world. Um, We have offices spanning North America, LATAM, Europe, Africa, the Middle East, and Asia, and our network welcomes opportunities to work with one another across borders and is dedicated to facilitating valuable connections for the entrepreneurs we support. Today, we will be discovering the future of energy, focusing on clean hydrogen hub strategies that can benefit our economy, environment, and opportunities for investors to support this important initiative, HALO, a hydrogen hub coalition. And without further ado, we will turn the time over to our co-host, Tracy Poole, founder and managing director at 46 Venture Capital, who is backing founders in the heartland with a concentration in energy tech, healthcare tech, and digital transformation verticals. Um, Tracy is an attorney with over 25 years of experience in complex commercial transactions, M&A financing, energy, and venture capital disciplines. He was corporate and outside counsel to leading energy marketing and trading companies and helped close some of really the largest wholesale energy transactions in existence. He is uh, the former general counsel of an energy-related hedge fund and the founder of an independent upstream oil and gas producer. And as a founder, Tracy has led capital raising activities resulting in over 700 million in debt and equity capital raised from private investors, orchestrating successful exits of up to 10X returns. So I really could not think of a better moderator for our session today. Tracy, thank you so much for being here, for co-hosting this session with us. And I'll hand the mic over to you to introduce our star lineup of panelists. Well, great. Thanks, Jessica. Um, And thanks for all of Endeavor's help here with the co-hosting and and setting up this webinar. I think it's extremely timely uh, for reasons that we'll talk about uh, with our panelists and and welcome everybody to the Future of Energy webinar. It's mostly focused on hydrogen and and a lot of it on HALO, which you'll hear more about. Uh, Quick plug for our venture capital firm, 46 Venture Capital is a manager uh, of venture funds here in Tulsa. Um, we are in a raise for our very first fund called the Kinetic Fund, which is focused on energy tech, healthcare tech, and digital transformation. Uh, and in that fund, we'll be investing in high growth companies in the pre-seed to Series A stage. Uh, and we have a regional focus. So uh, we're focused first on Tulsa and then Oklahoma, um, thus the name 46. Oklahoma is the 46th state. Uh, and then and then pushing that out into the region. Uh, we, we really don't play on the coast, but m- well, more in the heartland areas and, and certainly within those areas that we're going to talk about today, uh, being the halo areas. Um, 
without further ado, I want to get to the introducing of the smart folks here, our panelists, and thank those guys so much for, for coming on. Uh, we're fortunate to have a government official panelist with us today. Uh, so I'm going to get to him first, and that's Chief Administrator Lawrence Bingle. He's the Chief Administrator of Energy for the Arkansas Department of Energy and Environment. Uh, he also serves as the director of the Arkansas Oil and Gas Commission, has done that for some time as he's a geologist by training. Uh, next uh, is our corporate person. We have Maki Ikeda. Uh, she is the uh, Energy Innovation Center Director for Baker Hughes in Oklahoma City. Uh, some of you may have been to that Baker Hughes facility, which is also co-located uh, co with the Ham Center. It's just a, it's a wonderful place. Uh, and uh, she's a petroleum engineer by training. Uh, and Maki and I had met a few months back um, when Baker Hughes had a hydrogen seminar in Oklahoma City that, that was just fantastic. So if you get a chance to go to one of their events, I would recommend you do that for sure. Uh, next on the slate, we've got Matt Newman. Uh, Matt is pr a principal managing partner uh, of New Era Advisors. Uh, he's also the HALO Partnership Coordinator for the state of Oklahoma. So that this is gonna be really good to have him on. Um, uh, more importantly, he's also a venture advisor and a deal partner for 46 Venture Capital. So when you hear us VCs talk about domain expertise, particularly in hydrogen, this is our guy. So uh, glad to have Matt. And he, he and I are kindred spirits going way back to the energy trading days when he, he worked for Duke and I worked for Williams and we used to slug it out with Enron. So we got some good stories if you ever want to buy us a drink. Um, Lastly, we got Stephen Brooks. So Stephen Brooks is uh, Chief Commercial Officer with American Hydrogen here in Tulsa. He's a petroleum engineer by training. Uh, he's he's also got the distinguished honor of having been a intern for an upstream company that I used to run several years ago, uh, a long time ago. Uh, so everything smart and and um, and re and really. Uh, timely that Stephen has to say today, I can attribute to that six week stint that he spent with our company way back when. So, uh, so th those are our panelists and thanks guys very much for being on. Um, Matt Newman, I want you to help set the table for us. Uh, so in, in addition to that brief info uh, uh, that I gave on you to start off, tell us what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and tell us what you do uh, for the HALO effort. Will do. So on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm actually the coordinator for the whole HALO initiative. And HALO is an acronym for Hydrogen, Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma. It's a three-state partnership that is pursuing the uh, DOE's uh, Hydrogen Hub funding, which I'll talk about in a minute. Because the question was, what else do I do for a living? I'm also, uh, as you mentioned, a 46 venture capital deal partner and advisor. I'm a consultant for one of the nation's largest renewable energy companies. Those are kind of the paying gigs. Very proud on the, the next two. I have the very high honor of chairing a U.S. Department of Commerce board that supports all manufacturing in the United States and Puerto Rico. We've been given the challenge from this administration, the current administration, to solve the supply chain issues. So we're quite busy. I also serve as a board member of the Oklahoma Department of Environmental Quality, and that's our state EPA board, if you will. So if you want, Tracy, I'll jump right in and talk a little bit about HALO and talk a little bit about uh, the DOE. Yeah, if you would, if you would, and, and you might also mention our, our state hydrogen report, because I remember as I perused the report, 
as I perused the report, I saw your picture in there about 10 times with various dignitaries. So tell us a little bit about that while, while yeah. you're gi giving us the background on the hydrogen value chain. You bet. And that falls into my service as senior advisor to the Secretary of Energy Environment for the state of Oklahoma. And we had legislatively created a, uh, a an initiative, an Oklahoma Hydrogen Task Force. And that report you see, which is online at ee.ok.gov, um, had a bunch of stakeholder engagement. And we basically lined out our strategy and our roadmap for a hydrogen economy in the state of Oklahoma. And we're using some of that information, quite a bit of that information, to leverage up the HALO initiative. Um, so I do serve the state of Oklahoma under the Secretary of Energy and Environment for hydrogen stuff and other. Um, so the bipartisan infrastructure law carves out over what's about $8 billion for the creation of regional hydrogen demonstration facilities. These are to be targeted on areas that are hard, industries that are hard to decarbonize. So think about petrochemical refining, um, large scale heavy trucking, um, power generation. Those tend to be the very large um, greenhouse gas contributors in the environment. So we're focused on those areas and the partnership, the HALO partnership, if you look at Louisiana, Louisiana has one of the most critical petrochemical corridors on earth. That, that corridor around Baton Rouge um, supplies critical supply chain feedstocks in the U.S. and abroad. And we're focused on uh, working on projects to decarbonize that, that sector. From a transportation standpoint, um, Arkansas has a few companies that are in the logistics business. So there's this retailer in Bentonville, Arkansas. You guys may have heard of them, Walmart. And then we've got Tyson Food and we've got J.B. Hunt. All three of those organizations are in transportation, specifically 18 wheelers. Um, both Arkansas and Louisiana have nuclear power plants. That's one of the key deliverables in the DOE's uh, hydrogen hub demonstration is at least two hubs that use natural gas, one hub that uses um, nuclear power, and one hub, at least one hub that has renewable energy. So let me transfer transition over to Oklahoma. Oklahoma has about 50% of our electricity is renewable. So we have a tremendous amount of renewable energy, uh, and that's a key ingredient for the production of zero carbon hydrogen. Use renewable electricity and water in a process called electrolysis. Um, Oklahoma also is the crossroads of the United States, so it makes a whole lot of sense for the 18-wheeler market to have refueling stations or, uh, along the corridors that kind of aggregate around Oklahoma City. Um, we also have a vast uh, natural gas pipeline network that moves from Oklahoma through Arkansas, Louisiana, where we can blend uh, low-carbon hydrogen into the existing infrastructure. And, of course, many folks don't know, but Tulsa has the inland-most seaport in the United States. And that Tulsa port system moves through Arkansas down through Louisiana to, you know, the, the Gulf of Mexico. So we're targeting uh, the port equipment, uh, which is a big greenhouse gas contributor. And then we have, of course, Tigger Air Force Base and a whole bunch of other airports that, that we're looking at ground transportation. Great, great. And, and since you gave, gave a big plug for Oklahoma, I have to give uh, Chief Administrator Bingle a chance to give, give a plug for Arkansas. So uh, just like the question for Matt, um, you know, can you, can you shed some light for us, Chief Administrator, on some things that you're working on on a daily basis and what, what we should know about Arkansas's contribution to HALO? 
And what I do on a daily basis outside of working on Halo in its initial stages, working with a consultant and bringing together the staff and the resources we need in Arkansas to contribute. Also in, in charge of the various energy programs within Arkansas, all the own gas permitting our mining program, uh, which we're looking at mining uh, uh, coal in, in Arkansas, uh, actually on the Oklahoma border uh, for metallurgical coal, a, a big project that may be uh, coming along. We also look at the EV uh, programs that we have, uh, Arkansas uh, Department of Transportation just received uh, our 54 million for EV infrastructure along the interstates. Uh, we're working with the other states around us in building out that system. And Department of uh, Energy and Environment will also be looking at a competitive grant for building out an EV infrastructure beyond what that NIVI program works on, going to the more rural areas, smaller towns, and building out that infrastructure beyond what uh, the RDOT program will be. Uh, so we look at all the various energy programs. We have a CO2 storage project in the planning stage uh, for a chemical company uh, down in El Dorado, South Arkansas. And we have some of our own gas operators looking at CCUS in combination with CO2 EOR, uh, which are very important to have that developed. Uh, we need a, a lot of uh, groundwork developed on CCUS. We have not had one of those installed yet. Very few around the country interoperators beyond, uh, you know, EOR. So we're looking to get some data developed on that process uh, for when you use it for hydrogen uh, or other storage uh, methane that we need for all the above mix here in Arkansas. Great, great. And it sounds like you have some programs for some of these new market entrants, uh, at least in the EV space. Or are, are there any other programs that you could you could tell us about for, uh, you know, new entrants or new startups in Arkansas generally, whether they be energy or something else? Well, mostly Arkansas is a business friendly state. I think all the states, Louisiana and Oklahoma are also, but we're a business friendly state. Governor's committed to bringing in new businesses. We have a lot of incentive programs through our Arkansas Economic Development Commission. Uh, we have a large steel interest now in, in Arkansas that's moved in because of those incentives. There's job creation incentives that Arkansas has. There's tax incentives on sales tax or manufacturing equipment that we have. There's investment uh, exemptions uh, for bringing in uh, investments. And then the director of the Economic Development Commission also has discretionary um, authority to work with independent companies uh, for specialized types of incentives to bring uh, those investments into Arkansas. So uh, Arkansas is really open for business. I know the other states are also, uh, but we have a governor committed to that as well as a legislature and we adopt rules and regulations to make that as friendly as possible. Oh, great. Well, I think I can speak for most of us that we're, we're sure uh, thankful that Arkansas uh, decided to join our, our HALO effort. I think it makes it extremely strong to have you in. So we're, we're, we're very happy about that. And I've talked to, to Matt Newman ad nauseum about all, all the cool <laughs> things that are that are going on well, over there. Well, without the A in HALO, it wouldn't be. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, Halo would just be a Beyonce song, I guess. Right. Uh, so, hey, well, Matt Newman, I got to come back to you real quick. So, you know, we we touched over just briefly the the hub concept, uh, uh, some of the things that you 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 think that uh, make 
you know, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, good place for a hub. But I wonder if you could get take me down a little a little deeper into the nuts and bolts of 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 what the hub actually is. I'm mean, assuming you know you've got a development piece and you've got a demand piece and you've got a transportation piece. But w- what do you think that's going to look like going forward for us as we vie for these big dollars? Yeah, and I, I think it'll be um, most likely developed as. <laughs> individual developing projects. So Louisiana will have their projects around the ports and there's some announced projects, which, um, you know, Chief Administrator uh, Lawrence mentioned in in Southern Arkansas, there's one in Oklahoma that's all in the public domain. So you'll see some of these kind of regional projects that will leverage up. And, and, you know, as an example, there's a big, the nation's largest, largest hydrogen producer is in that petrochemical corridor. And they're working on a project to decarbonize and create blue hydrogen. I don't want to get into colors, but it's basically low carbon and, and, you know, high carbon. Let's just leave it at that. Kind of low carbon and no carbon. Let's talk about no carbon and low carbon hydrogen. So looking at opportunities to springboard off of that. So you'll see some regional projects to decarbonize, but you'll also see uh, regional projects specifically around transportation. When an 18-wheeler needs to move from point A to point B, they need refueling stations along the way. And that's inside of our three states. And ultimately, the Department of Energy's goal is to make this beyond each of these regions that are vying for these hubs and make this project outlive the DOE's grant money. We've got to make kind of reach critical mass to make these projects stand alone uh, after the DOE money. So focused on demonstration. So we're going to be focusing on proven technology. But as you build these assets around the three regions, there will be opportunity for deployment of commercially viable, innovative solutions. So we're always looking for, especially in 46 venture capital and other venture capital firms in the region, we're looking for opportunities for technology that's commercial ready, and for opportunities to drop that down inside existing uh, operating facilities. Obviously, you don't want to depend upon uh, a, a new technology when your company depends upon and operations depend upon reliability. So I think you'll see uh, opportunities spring up as we start identifying all of the projects in the three states. Um, we have the major research universities are part of the HALO com- complex. You know, the three major re- universities in Oklahoma, University of Arkansas, LSU, and then we've got some historically black colleges and universities and some smaller universities. So educating new staff that uh, need to participate in hydrogen economy, also all of the research opportunities that we have in, in the three states. So it, it's not necessarily one project with a hub and spoke. It's regional solutions and and solving those decarbonization challenges. Great. Well, I I know as of uh, discussion discussion we had this morning that you're 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 off and running on uh, working on Halo. In fact, you just got off the Halo call. I think just right before this and. Uh, d- I'm wondering, you know, can you can you give us an update on uh, things like timelines? You know, when when are bids due? What, what what kinds of things are you guys working toward, and how fast? Yeah, so we do have a globally respected consultant helping us to pull together all the paperwork. You know, all three states, secretaries of energy and environment are all very engaged in this. Um, there is a concept paper due November seventh. 
which I want to make sure everybody in the Halo team understands that that's November 5th. We're not going to wait until November 7th to get this done. That's limited to 20 pages. So, so that is a very short, quick, a lot of infographics. Why does Halo deserve to be in the RFP process? And then the RFP process will come out probably in December, and we'll have until April 7th to deliver that RFP response. Now, chances are pretty good. We haven't seen the RFP packet, but I anticipate hundreds, if not thousands of pages to be remitted to the Department of Energy uh, you know, within this, this RFP or this grant request. So very, very tight timeline. Nice. I guess that's good for us, right? Yes. Well, uh, Maki Ikeda, um, I wanted to, to get with you real quick on, on, on Baker Hughes. I know you and I talked just a little bit earlier about the last hydrogen seminar that you guys had down in Oklahoma City. is just just a handful of months ago, but there's a lot that's changed between then and now. And so, so what, what gets you and Baker Hughes excited about this space? Yeah, and as you said, Baker Hughes has been evolving over the last few years with now a clear focus on this evolving energy mix. Uh, and maybe just as a reminder to everyone, Baker Hughes is already providing equipment and services to the hydrogen space for the last 60 years. Uh, and you will see behind me this bit of compression systems, but we have a, a you know, a, a really big compression fleet as well as a hydrogen turbine um, piece that that we are, uh, you know, this basically is a business that we have been, um, uh, we have been, we've, you know, running to support the hydrogen market. Um, so clearly there's a, there's a, a lot of focus on that uh, as well as other renewable energies, because we have been also in the wind, nuclear, geothermal uh, space for, um, for as many years, uh, but also in industrial sectors that are hard to abate. So uh, some of our customers are coming from aviation, automobile and heavy industry. And those are also the ones that we want to help to go through that journey. Um, so those are some of the drivers. And, and obviously, we are a technology company. So uh, technology is also transferable uh, to different spaces. So um, a lot of the sensors that we have been you know, utilizing for um, the traditional maybe energy sector, we have now, um, you know, ad adapted and, and, and developed them to uh, to serve the hydrogen market. So uh, electrolysis produces hydrogen uh, that has a bit of uh, moisture and oxygen, and, and we have those sensors to make sure, uh, you know, it's a controlled environment and we can purify the hydrogen uh, safely. Right, so, and, um, and also, so we have been, um, you know, exploring some of the new technologies for um, for hydrogen production and and not just uh, organically, but also inorganically, looking at different technology that we can help uh, accelerate. Uh, because I think that's a little bit of uh, running, um, you know, running out of time in terms of uh, you know climate and 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 some of the goals, uh, the the. You know, large and, and, and um, large goals and ambitious goals that uh, uh, U.S. has for hydrogen uh, scale up, right? So, um, I think corporations like us can help accelerate that uh, maturation of uh, younger technologies. And for specifically for Halo, where we see is um, some. You know, there's there's a lot of interest um, to deploy those. Uh, you know, younger technologies and companies uh, as we build that infrastructure. So I think the first 
uh, phase of the, the hub development will be really creating that infrastructure that will attract those companies to come because there's already somewhere to plug the hydrogen that will produce, right? So we're encouraging also those uh, those startups and small companies to consider uh, the region as, you know, potential for piloting, demonstrating, and, and then potentially scaling up. Great, great. Well, I'll, I'll ask you the same thing I asked the, the other guys. Um, what does your day-to-day look like as the center director for Baker Hughes in Oklahoma City? Yeah, so three years ago, really, I refocused the, um, you know, the, the the work towards really energy transition, which is, um, you know, a mix of digital transformation, because through, you know, current <clears throat> operation needs to be more efficient, uh, increase increase productivity and, and be more optimized, uh, thereby reducing emissions. So there's a big component around how do you reduce emissions, uh, but also I, I would say a more then half of the work uh, is around new concept and technologies related to carbon capture, hydrogen, storage, and renewables. So uh, really on the day-to-day, um, I'm managing a, a portfolio of research and technology development projects uh, that are either analytical work, lab testing, field pilots, and those are typically with customers uh, or, or other partners. Uh, and also we're supporting um, the, uh, as mentioned before, the maturation of early technology companies that Baker Hughes has invested in. Uh, so really our goal for the center is to accelerate technology to market uh, where, you know, similar to the valley of death, uh, we, we really want to avoid that, which is typically for technology. When you reach lab scale, it's really where, you know, you need a lot of help to get to that commercial scale and volume. Oh, great. Great. Well, f- from what I can tell, Baker Hughes is, is all in uh, on these concepts that we're talking about today. And, and certainly you guys have been doing a good job supporting things like having the seminars and joining us here and things like that. I, but I wonder, too, you know, Matt, Matt told us about all the things that are really going for us in the Halo region. I wonder if, if you uh, on the flip side, whether you know of any challenges that we should be looking out for or, or things that you're, you're focused on, you know, more than others in terms of, hey, we do have all these great things happening, but there, there's a couple holes we need to fill or there's a couple things we need to pay attention to. I wonder what that is. Yeah, I think, I mean, Halo has a great opportunity because we are across the value chain. I think there's both the production side, infrastructure and use. Uh, and I think it's going to be critical to first lay out that infrastructure and, and demand Right. If you have demand, basically, you're going to have that production and going to have, uh, you know, attract uh, people that are going to produce that hydrogen. So I think that's been already laid out. And I think it's a matter of making sure we execute that so that we create that larger demand. Um, I think, um, you know, as Matt mentioned, uh, there is a space for commercial uh, and already, you know, existing technologies, but also uh, earlier technologies. And I think those hub development are going to take years. So we're talking about 10 years plus. So laying out a little bit of how we see those early technologies coming in early, but then really uh, impacting the hub at a later stage, uh, that kind of roadmap is going to be, uh, we're going to have to think about. Um, and maybe a few, you know, two other things, uh, I think, can handling of byproducts uh, in large volume. So when we talk about um, 
uh, for example, methane pyrolysis, there's a lot of carbon black. How do we handle that large volume? So those could become a bit of a, you know, um, hurdles uh, if you, you haven't thought about like how you handle those. Um, and um, and maybe last is uh, something we also very, uh, very focused on is, you know, safety standards. How do you manage, you know, integrity, maintenance? Uh, so those needs, you know, they haven't been established, you know, at, across the value chain. And these are going to be things that we're going to have to think about, because if there is any safety incident, that's going to really, um, you know, stops uh, a lot of the uh, um, the expansion and the development. Okay, great. Well, Stephen Brooks, same question to you. What do you, what do you think the challenges are with our uh, work on the Halo Hub in this, this region? Um, I agree with a lot of uh, Maki's points, I think, regarding just regulation code around this industry. Um, while we've been using hydrogen for a long time, this isn't new. The applications that we are considering using, again, are new. For instance, transportation and fuel cells at scale. Um, and with that, necessitates new infrastructure and infrastructure that we've not yet seen before. Um, Heavy-duty fuel cell fueling stations, we've not really seen at scale. Um, storage for liquid gaseous hydrogen, understanding what governs that, understanding how to transport that over distances, what DOT regulations are in place to support this economy. Um, a lot of these, I think, codes, regulations are largely unwritten. And so I think I think that's a large challenge. And another thing I think is just education. Um, what is the point of hydrogen? What point are we trying to solve um, for higher energy prices? What, what solutions are coming with that? And so I think those are the two main gaps that we would need to bridge to see Halo become successful. But to all of the other advantages, right? I, I do think based on diversity of energy feedstocks and available energy infrastructure that Halo is in prime position um, alongside some of the leading hubs in the nation to be the most successful hub. Well, Stephen, it's it's interesting, you know, uh, on, on the investment side, our, our phone, and I've had Matt looking at some deals with us as well, and, and he, he's brought some deals to us. You know, our phone's starting to ring off the hook uh, for new entrants that are interested in doing things that are either hydrogen related or they've got a new technology for, for uh, an electrolyzer or a new technology for storage or things like that. And, you know, so far we've seen some announced projects that, you know, are, are really just kind of thoughts for now, but um, in, in the landscape that we've mapped out, you know, your company is really one of the first companies that I know of that's actually building hydrogen development, you know, as we speak. So I, want, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about what you're doing there, how that came about, you know, um, you know, and just give us a little background there, what you guys are doing, what you're seeing in the field. Yeah, sure. Um, some very exciting projects that we're currently working on that I can kind of showcase. I can't name specific locations since many of these aren't announced, but just conceptually, um, one of the projects that been my focus for the last few years is decarbonization around an airport. And so we, um, I guess, let me back up and say, you know, we come from the oil and gas industry, um, very, very experienced in the processing of natural gas, as well as this let's call it carbon capture nexus. Before it was carbon capture, I just knew it as Amy treating and it's what you would do to uh, enter some large midstreamers pipelines. And so when we were looking at energy transition, um, this hydrogen nexus made a lot of sense to us. It's natural gas treating and processing and the uh, movement of energy commodities. And so we started looking at the space five or six years ago. And I think that's what kind of, I guess, I guess gave us an advantage or has led us to the projects uh, 
brought them to the stages of development that they're at today. But um, one project that we wish we just exited feed on is a blue hydrogen project, which will go to decarbonize an airport. And so the airport is transitioning their entire mobility fleet, their fleet of 250 taxis, baggage handling equipment, um, the cogent at the airport, all of that from internal combustion engines to fuel cells. We as American Hydrogen will site a 20 ton blue hydrogen generation facility at the airport, um, taking city gate methane from the local utility, uh, converting that into hydrogen, and then sequestering the associated carbon emissions in an injection well we will be drilling. And so that hydrogen will go to support this converted mobility fleet in addition to other use cases outside of mobility. For instance, the cogent at the airport, um, they're retrofitting that cogent to burn not only natural gas, but hydrogen. And so what hydrogen we won't use in mobility will go to the cogent to decarbonize heat and air at the airport. Whatever remainder of that generation is left over after servicing mobility and servicing cogent will then be dumped into the U local utility line to decarbonize power generation. And so I think to the hub, um, concept that Matt was describing. This this really embodies that hub, right? Um, how do we use hydrogen as a decarbonized solution to service not one use case, but multiple use cases in local proximity? Therefore, I think de-risking commercially the use case for the cogen for mobility and for power generation. And so um, that is one project we're very excited about and should, I think, be announced here in the next two or three months. Um, aside from that, aside from these I say hydrogen hub models, we are also focused on pure play hydrogen generation facilities that focus on one specific market. Um, one of the largest markets for hydrogen mobility is California. Um, they recently codified legislation that says you can't sell an internal combustion engine past 2035. And so with that, um, I think the government is really pushing for this zero emissions mobility nexus through either EVs or fuel cell electric vehicles. And so we are currently looking out, working on a large blue hydrogen facility in California to support this growing mobility market. And so I guess on the generation side, really our mentality is low carbon or no carbon, to Matt's point, rather than colors, hydrogen generation that leverages um, whatever is the most economically viable technologies. I think over the last two or three years, we're seeing this as SMR combined with carbon capture, but with recent passage of the IRA, I think you start to see this open up into green hydrogen markets as well. Great, great. Well, well Matt, you know, um, St Stephen's sitting down the road, probably two miles from me. And th this, this brings up your point about um, the folks that we have here locally that can actually go do this stuff. They're doing it, you know, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and, and we're seeing, we also have clusters here in kind of the Northwest Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma, Northwest Arkansas. We have clusters of folks like Baker Hughes that are in the business of making the parts and pieces for the hydrogen economy. So th there will be mo more than likely somewhere between six and 10 hydrogen hubs across the United States that'll be funded in this first phase. And uh, we will have activity and we and and you know chief administrator bengal will have an opportunity to have manufacturers in the supply chain expand and we'll have an opportunity with these manufacturers in the supply chain to take on new technologies you know as as steven mentioned you know you, as you work on these low carbon applications having new technology to bolt on in parallel 
that you can run and test and shut off and run and test and shut off. That's all part of the commercialization of innovative technologies. And really want to bring the, the entrepreneurs out in Northwest Arkansas. Well, and this 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 question could be for for any of you really who who wants to chime in or, or know anything about it, but uh, and I'm sure you do. But you know, with with the new even a month ago, if we were having this this discussion, you know, folks like me may be sitting around saying, "Hey, this is all great," but a lot of this stuff just not economic, you know. But with with the Inflation Reduction Act and the credit, which is a substantial credit now for developers, uh, that that conversation has changed a little bit. Um, you know, there there are some. Um, there, there's some things to understand in that act, and there's some some things to understand about exactly how it applies. But I, I'm just wondering for any of you that are that are looking at that, um, I, I'm I'm assuming uh, a, a complete game changer now based on those credits for clean hydrogen. Is that the case? Yeah. Let me let me start out, and then of course have everyone else chime in. I want to kind of level set because there is some folks out there that are saying, well. You know, we have such cheap electricity, we have such cheap natural gas. Why are we focusing on hydrogen? And and we're looking at, as you know, Maki mentioned, this is not going to happen overnight. This is going to take a decade to kind of get going, maybe, you know, two decades to mature it. But I want to roll back the clock. And this goes to the theme here is the pace of advancing innovation. So if you go back to 1921, and Albert Einstein won the Nobel Prize for photoelectric, um, the, the photoelectric effect, okay? So you can dig that up and open up your college, uh, you know, <laughs> science. 1954, the first photovoltaic cell was invented. From 21 to 54, nothing happened. And then in the 60s and 70s, we created cells specifically for satellites, and that technology is about $100,000 per kilowatt, and that's a lot. And then Exxon invented a, a refined photovoltaic cell in the 70s. The Department of Energy created the National Renewable Energy Lab in Colorado, and they, we worked diligently on dropping that price from 100000 to 20000 to below $2,000 a kilowatt today. So from 21 1921 to 2021, we went from 100,000 to about 2,000. That's quite a long time. Our pace of evolution now is substantially faster. So I, I see these, you know, grants and, and low interest loans and all of this to stimulate investment in new technologies. That's part of the goal is to demonstrate and drop the overall price of producing hydrogen in the United States. Great. Great. Well, I, I wonder, does anybody anybody else have a thought on that? I mean, and I'll throw this out there. I mean, if, if I'm looking at, or I was in the process of building a, you know, clean hydrogen uh, production facility, you know, the game's now changed for me with that act. But, but it's uh, in, in reading the act, it's it's a little bit hard for me to model uh, the potential credit uh, because it's a sliding scale, right? So, you know, if you can get it done extremely quickly, uh, you could get all the way up to, you know, $3 kilogram, 
uh, so to speak. Uh, if not, there's a sliding scale, and there's a sliding scale based on uh, you know the volume of CO2 produced to to or carbon intensity to to you know the hydrogen that's produced. It, it, it seems like that's a lot of moving pieces for a developer to be able to pin down and rely on in terms of economics. Is that going to be an issue? Well, Tracy, uh, I was going to I was going to respond not to that particular uh, business aspect, from a, but from a governmental standpoint, building on what Stephen said, what uh, Matt said, uh, I think it's important as we look at the oil and gas industry and the infrastructure that that it has that we view hydrogen as just a continuation of our oil and gas industry, uh, not from the standpoint of the fossil fuel aspect of it, which is what is a political football right now, but from the standpoint that it is the backbone of where we go forward with the hydrogen as well as CCUS. You need the pipelines, you need the gas plant, you need all the expertise in the oil and gas industry, you need the infrastructure that already exists that's taken us well over 100 years to establish, and that particular infrastructure needs to be maintained as we transition. Uh, so we have to be very careful that we, uh, when policies are made at the state level, that we don't disincentivize the very backbone uh, of what the hydrogen industry will be, which is the oil and gas industry. So I think from a public education standpoint, especially as investors look at ESG, uh, aspect of these things. You have to remember that much of this is going to be possible with what we have built in the energy oil and gas sector over the last 100 years that we now can use to transition into the next decarbonization of, of that particular resource. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I want to I want to ask you guys because I, I think there's probably some investors on the line here, and I know I'm I'm certainly interested in it. Uh, if you could make an investment today in this space uh, of any kind, whether it's an enabling technology or or or, or, or a part or a piece that you know is going to be in short supply or anything like that, uh, Stephen Brooks, what what would you invest in today, uh, knowing what we know about Halo and these hubs that are coming and all of the things that are needed to build this stuff from from the ground? I mean. What would you look to invest in? Sure. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a challenging question, given the diversity and I think opportunities and more and more opportunities, right, coming to the forefront as time goes on, especially around the hydrogen uh, or, um, hydrogen uh, economy, right? There's myriad of generation technologies. Uh, Maki had touched on methane paralysis. I'm more experienced in SMR. You're seeing catalytic reforming take center stage. Um, on the transportation side, um, what organic compounds or conversions can we make to hydrogen to make it more efficient to transport? And then the diversity of end-use applications. I think every car manufacturer now has publicly mandated programs around hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. And I think to step back from an investment standpoint, in my mind, one thing I do know is that the sprint to net zero will only become more at our forefront in the energy community moving forward. Um, the notion that electrification is going to solve all of our problems, I think, is has its its shortfalls. And so hydrogen makes sense as kind of that intermittent solution to transition us from our traditional energy and systems that we have today, leveraging both fossil fuels and um, renewable electricity. And so if we're up to me, I know that 
it will vary by where you are um, geographically on the generation piece, but we know that hydrogen infrastructure will be required wherever. And so from that, I would say I would be investing in service companies or companies that specialize in developing infrastructure throughout the hydrogen value chain that maybe aren't focused on one specific where upstream guys or midstream guys. Um, I know that hydrogen components and the massive amount of investment will be required for the remake of a hydrogen economy. And so I would focus on the service side. Great. Maki, same question. What what would you invest in or what, what seems extremely interesting to you today? Yeah, and I agree with, with Stephen. There is, I mean, currently there's a, a lot of different technologies that are at, you know, a bit mature stage, but a lot at early stage. And, and at this point, we don't know who's going to win. But what I would like to also mention is I think the market and the demand, you know, if you look at demand predictions, they're they're like, different 300%, right? So that means there is a lot of opportunities in how you use the hydrogen and how you transport it and, and what, you know, what even it serves. So it's not just electricity. I mean, even just transporting it as ammonia and just directly using it as ammonia is lowering the cost of the overall, um, you know, kind of generation to end use. So I think a lot of consideration on what, what to invest in is also what do you think hydrogen is really replacing it, uh, replacing and and you know is the alternative, you know high carbon and and carbon intensive, which means that there's a lot more driver to get to that solution, right? Uh, so I think those are going to be the indicator of how fast that technology will go uh, and, and be valued. Um, so I would say that, and and um, also I do think you know something that's transferable across regions. So both in terms of um, kind of maybe system, so agnostic of the generation technology, but more of a system. Uh, and also I do still, I mean, we are in the non-destructive <laughs> inspection business. So we like to, um, you know, cover that aspect as well in terms of, you know, managing uh, processes and, and, and monitoring them uh, in a better way. Great. Matt Newman, how do you invest your money in hydrogen? Well, I'm going to lean into Chief. Uh, Administrator Bengal's face for just a moment and also capture something that Maki mentioned. So, uh, uh, Lawrence, you mentioned the, the focus on steel manufacturing in Arkansas, and there are some very big announcements that are in the public domain. And I think we could see Arkansas as kind of the center of the universe critical mass for the production of steel in the United States as we've shifted away from kind of the Great Lakes area in Birmingham, Alabama. So Maki mentioned in methane pyrolysis, you have this carbon, this carbon black that's left over. And as Lawrence mentioned, we will continue to lean into the oil and gas industry for decades and decades and decades to come. Natural gas is anticipated to be the primary feedstock until 2070, 2080. We are, we are not going to go all green all of a sudden. It's not going to be a light switch we turn on and turn off. So um, I think there's, there's some research going on right now, but the use of that carbon black to create carbon fiber. And Rice University has a big initiative. So if you look at some of these offshoots, first of all, figure out how to drop the price in uh, methane pyrolysis and then utilizing carbon black to augment uh, products in the steel kind of industry. 
And I, I would imagine that the steel industry folks are looking at that because carbon fiber is very, very strong. And think about, um, you know, like the, the Golden Gate Bridge and, and uh, you know, cable, wire, wire cables. You can use carbon black in a, in a similar application, especially in construction. So I think those are some of the paths to, to invest in. Um, anything in the carbon capture space, innovative carbon capture space, uh, is important. And then to lean into something else that, that Maki mentioned, um, non-destructive in inspection, um, the capability to test for leaks and, and manage safety in this space is also an opportunity in the uh, innovative technologies. Great, great. Uh, well, I want to thank everybody. We're, we're at that point in time now where we need to take some questions. If One of them is uh, based on classics uh, in, injection wells. So injection wells to deal with carbon capture, CO2 storage. Um, so the question is, what's the latest on how available those are going to be from a time and permit perspective? And I think there's only a, a, a two, or th two or three, maybe two out there so far. And there's a big giant stack of permits waiting. And, you know, all of this stuff, uh, at least on the, in the SMR world, uh, gasification world, uh, relies on being able to do something with CO2. So we need these class six wells. So what's the timeline on getting that sped up? Right now in region six, which includes Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana, or region six EPA, um, uh, Louisiana has applied for primus at the state level. I don't believe Oklahoma has. Arkansas is planning to, uh, but it's a several year process to work with US EPA to get state primacy to do that. In the meantime, uh, the Region 6 staff in Dallas will be the ones who will be issuing any Class 6 permits uh, in our states. And I don't believe to date that they have issued uh, a permit yet. I do know they have several uh, in-house working on them, but I'm, I'm not sure they've issued one yet in any of our states. Well, thank you. That's that's good information. And another question just came in, uh, and, th and this may be uh, this may be uh, pertinent to your purview as well uh, in the Oil and Gas Commission uh, as well. Can traditional oil and gas EOR projects using CO2 be part of the solution? We have uh, a project in uh, South Arkansas proposing to do that. I know in Louisiana they do. There's there's many opportunities in in depleted oil and gas fields to do that. Uh, as well as active oil and gas fields. I mean, Texas is a leader in CO2 uh, EOR. One of the problems has been, because I was uh, the chair of the uh, IOGCC task, CO2 task, um, about 10 years uh, in the last go around with CCUS occurred at the beginning of this, uh, of this century. It's funny to say it that way. Uh, but one of the problems were that do you, you count CO2 EOR as a credit, can you get a credit for that CO2 that is not recirculated that stays in the reservoir? And for and I'm not sure if that's changed at this point in time, but I think that that's not been yet settled of whether the CO2 that you keep in the ground in the reservoir that you don't recycle during your EOR, if that can count as a credit. If it does and can, yes, that, that can be part of the solution because a tremendous amount of CO2 stays in the ground during that process, as you all know. 
And the, 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 let me add just a couple of things. First, so there is a, a tax credit, 45Q, for carbon capture and sequestration. Um, enhanced oil recovery, absolutely a part of it. That, that's class two well, and uh, tends to be a little easier to get than a class six. And there, there's opportunity right. there. But most importantly, to, to add to Chief Administrator Bengal's comments, we have pore space. We have in our three state area, um, you know, tremendous capability to sequester CO2. And that, that's an asset that we're going to absolutely mention in our HALO application. This is all part and parcel to uh, the hydrogen economy. Another question just came in, and this is one I was thinking of earlier when, when we were visiting about this. And I, th I think, Matt, you guys addressed this in the Oklahoma report, which is you got to start with the demand. So the question is, is there demand for green hydrogen right now in the tri-state area? Or what do you see that demand looking like over the next few years? Yeah, that's, that's the key question. So what we've been focused on in HALO is creating that demand. So we talked about the transportation sector. And we talked about some of the offshoots that could possibly pull low carbon hydrogen off of existing infrastructure um, in, in Arkansas and in Oklahoma. Uh, it's the same chemical company is looking at creating blue uh, ammonia or very low carbon ammonia. That ammonia is one of the carriers that you can use to move hydrogen from point A to point B, specifically the international market. So uh, Japan and Western Europe are interested in ammonia as a hydrogen supply source. So right now, uh, the, the 90, high 90s, 98, 99% of demand for hydrogen is in the refinery space and in the um, fertilizer space. So as they go through their ESG processes, they're looking at ways to decarbonize, but really are there demands for green hydrogen? Yeah, let's look at the transportation sector. You know, the cool thing about the transporta transportation sector, if you use hydrogen in an 18-wheeler, your exhaust using green hydrogen, your exhaust is water. You know, so you think about the L.A. Basin, Salt Lake City, Dallas, Houston. I love to see this in Oklahoma City and Tulsa because we're right on the cusp of um, EPA kind of ceilings on emissions. And I'm sure there's, you know, places in in uh, the port areas and Southern Louisiana. So those are the focused areas we are working on creating demand for the green hydrogen. Great. And Matt, I hate to pick on you, but this this one is right up your alley, I know, which is somebody has asked, and this is an awesome question, how do we stay up to date on all things HALO? Is there a website? Is there a place to go? Is, is there going to be information coming out on HALO as, as you move this process along? Well, that's a great question, and I'll take that to the leadership team, because we did have a plan to set up a website just as an informational website that's still in process. Um, you know, we, we were waiting on the DOE's concept paper, concept report demands, and then kind of guidance on, on deadlines. So um, we, we do have a consultant that is reaching out to people via email. We'll continue to use that channel. Uh, to communicate with the stakeholders. Um, I believe, you know, Maki and Steve have both, Stephen have both received invitations to a meeting Octo in October. So uh, we're using mostly just email right now, but more to come. Stay tuned. 
Okay, great, great. And also, um, as it relates to, and, and maybe this was covered in the Oklahoma report. I need to go back and look. But, but what about workforce development? I mean, this this is a huge opportunity in terms of you know your background, some manufacturing, things like that. Um, are, are there workforce development issues, and if so, how are we going to address those? Yeah, and that's why you pull in the major research universities, historically black colleges and universities, um, and uh, you know, I think almost a dozen smaller universities to, to feed into the whole supply chain, the whole hydrogen economy from, you know, Baker Hughes needs folks in their fabrication shop. You know, we need engineers to work for Stephen. And, you know, we, we, need, we need administrators to help uh, Chief Administrator Bengal. So all of those organizations are plugged into HALO, and that is part of the equation. And maybe just a comment to add, I think it's not just the young workforce, right? There's a lot of people that also are very keen to transition, to learn. And I think we need to leverage uh, that you know, population that are already knows the energy sector, the the infrastructure that is in place, how, pe- how the customers work, and, and really focusing also on that population will be very important. Uh, and, you know, I think part of the uh, the halo will focus also on the educational aspect, right? Like, because a lot of the lessons learned uh, exchanged at very early stage will really help to accelerate the, um, the growth of the hub. Uh, that's a very good point. Well, I, I'm getting the electronic nudge here to sort of wrap this thing up. So I want to thank you guys a lot for for participating. I think it was a great discussion. I can I can already see two, two or three separate ones we're going to need to have to to dive a little bit deeper. But I think we did a good job covering some of the nuts and bolts. And I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much to our panelists for joining uh, this session today. And special thanks to 46 for moderating and co-hosting with us. Thank you again. It's been a really fantastic session. And we look forward to uh, following the HALO Initiative success in our Heartland region.